This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Yes, indeed. It's Marco Flalo, Mitchell Whitfield, Your Tech Report, at Your Tech Report on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Contact at yourtechreport.com. And, of course, yourtechreport.com, the pages. Mitchell Whitfield, oh, my God, what a week. You know what? I I didn't know what to expect this week. And then I remembered that Microsoft was having this big event. I did not expect that much news out of that one. Uh, I did not expect that much news. And I I have to tell you, I was pleasantly surprised by so many, so much of the keynote and so many announcements there. I almost felt at a certain point, we'll get into this a little later also, that it was almost too much too many new products, too much new software because it was it was hard to absorb everything, and we're we're in the tech business. And it was hard for us to absorb it, so I can only imagine from the consumer point of view. But a really great week for Microsoft. Great announcements from everything from computers, browsers, gaming, new technology. We're going to be talking all Microsoft today, aren't we? We're, we're pretty much going to be talking all Microsoft, but we are going to end the show with such a bang today, Mitchell. That's because right. Because we have such a very cool guest who's going to be on the show. He works at a company called Belkin and a company called Linksys. He is a product manager. He is a phenomenal guy. I'm really excited to speak to him about their entire product lineup. We're going to be doing interviews like this throughout the year. CES was still just a couple weeks ago, so it's still top of mind. So we still want to find out about all these companies that we missed. We're going to be talking to more companies in the coming weeks. But really, let's let's shine this spotlight on Microsoft. And I think that the biggest announcement, what's the biggest announcement, in order of things to come is that Regardless of your current version of Windows, as long as you are Windows 8.1 cross-platform, we're talking about tablets, phones, computers, you'll be able to upgrade to Windows 10. If you are on Windows uh, 7, you'll be able to upgrade to Windows 10. They're they're releasing these universal apps that work cross-platform that are designed, same code designed to work on the phone, on the tablets, on the PCs, and this is just scraping the surface of where we started with Microsoft today. Uh, you know, and I, I think you, you mentioned it right off the bat about just the uh, just the fact that if you're a Windows 7 or Windows 8 user within the first calendar year of the release, oh, sorry, within the first full year, year of the release, not calendar year, you will be able to upgrade for free for that entire year. And I think the reason they're doing this is, Mark, one of the issues that Microsoft has had over the past couple of decades has been fragmentation in terms of, in terms of their operating system. Uh, the adoption rate of their operating system yeah. has been, of their operating systems, 
has been horrible ever since XP when people refused to go over to Vista and then Windows 7 after that, Windows 8. If you look at, let's say, let, let's say you use Apple as the example, whether it's their, you know, their iOS, their mobile software for the iPads and iPhones, or even their OS 10 platform for desktop, whenever Apple releases a new, uh, a new piece of software, a new operating system, you'll see in the first few months, 60, 70 percent, 80 percent of the users have gone on to that new operating system. Microsoft has been the exact, like an inverse version of that graph. Basically, you'll have 20 percent, 30 percent moving on. There's some people, Mark, that still refuse to give up Windows XP because of how incredibly stable it was. I'm, you know, I'm one of those. I have Windows <laughs> I XP running, running on a virtual machine on my Mac, and I go to it all the time because of how stable it is. And they don't have updates for it anymore. And it is one of these conundrums we have to deal with. And I, and I think now Microsoft has to incentivize. They have to give people a reason to make that move. And when we just look at features, uh, it's almost like they've taken, and this is really smart on their part, kind of what they did when they came out with the Windows Phone platform. They took a little bit from this, a little bit from that. With, when it comes to this new Windows 10, all the features, it's taking the best of the old and merging it with the best of the new. Which is the smartest way to do software. And they're also, Absolutely. They're also including the community. They call them you know, insiders, people who are giving them feedback, and they're showing how they're using this real-time feedback to create updates to software. And, and what they're really doing is they're billing Windows as a service, which is something we've seen this whole industry lean towards, doing these service-oriented things. Talk about monthly subscriptions as opposed to just buying a piece of software. Software. A service means that you'll get something that continuously grows and continuously adapts. One of those features that, that, that comes to the PC, which is something that we've expected and we're waiting for, is Cortana, their voice-activated personal assistant. This is probably the demo they did with probably the most natural interaction I've seen with any kind of AI, artificial intelligence ever. And it starts with the natural sound of the voice, Mark, because, you know, it, she sounds, the voice sounds not computerized, even as, as good as Siri has gotten. And of course, Siri became prominent because it was the first one to come out and, Mike, you know, and Apple made a big deal about it. But I think they have been bested by Microsoft in terms of an artificial intelligence, like you said, number one, just sounds more human, which makes it much, much more palatable on a day-to-day -day basis with a digital digital assistant. Uh, and they did something that I'm really surprised, and we talked about this, you know, over a year ago on this very show, when I said one of the advancements I think Apple needed to do was to leverage their advancements, and they've done a good job of leveraging their advancements on their mobile operating system, taking lessons learned from that, and applying it to the desktop. I think they've done a good job of merging iOS with OS X. The one thing they didn't do was while Microsoft and a lot of other PC companies were, were really investing heavily in touchscreen, Apple had an opportunity to invest in voice commands. We knew they weren't going to do touchscreen right away, but I thought since Siri came out of the gate first, they would leverage that technology because what a great application to be able to use your voice with your desktop. Hey, we do it with mobile devices. We yeah. do it with our Xbox. We should be able to do that with our computer. But again, Apple beaten to the punch by you know by Microsoft's Cortana. And Mark, did you, did you notice this? It's really an interesting thing. When people compare Siri to Cortana, the one thing that Cortana has always had over Siri, and I said, Sounds like you know. A, it sounds like a, 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 a fight. Yeah, it sounds like a death. duel. Siri versus Cortana fight. Um, that Cortana <laughs> will learn about you over time and do her and give responses based on previous on history on what you've done and asked for before, which is basically you know, which is really really smart. Siri knows knows what you have planned, but doesn't leverage everything you've done up until that point to give you answers tailored to you. Siri, Siri lets you tell you know tell her who you are, who your wife is, your spouse, and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, those are. 
are good. Those are cute things. But what Cortana has is is this feature, and they bill it as a feature called the Notepad. It's things that she knows over time things she learns you like to get the score you like to get an update of your day in the morning you like to you know glance at your phone at certain times of the day to see how traffic is she learns these things she writes them down in her notepad you can access a notepad whenever you want make modifications add change do what you want and this is how she refers to your life it's basically all the data that is collected is kept in a place that you can actually organize which is extremely cool it is extremely cool, and I think they've done something very important by leveraging their technology, their Cortana, their voice command technology. They've done something on the computer end that I think Microsoft did a brilliant job of on the on the console end. And Mark, you know, this is going to seem like a silly thing. I walk into my living room, okay? Now we, uh, I run my, I have an Xbox One in the living room. My son has one. Yeah. I have it set up in the living room with with Connect, set up to my you know television, my satellite provider. When I walk into the room, a big thing comes up. Hello, Mitchell. Now, out of out of reflex and instinct, I always say, "Oh, hey, Xbox One." I sound like an idiot, but I always do it. <laughs> it's it's like it's just a reflex. I always do it. But that simple action, that simple action, and the and the reaction it gets from me was something very important. It makes this item less of a gaming console and more of a lifestyle product by allowing you to give voice commands and gestures to communicate to turn on your television pause rewind you're creating behaviors that are that make this machine more of a lifestyle product than just a gaming machine and i think xbox has done a great job of making it a great living room hub and look at now what they're doing now look what they're doing now with windows 10 they're doing the same thing they're no longer making this a and i'm making quotey fingers i know you can see it they're not just making a computer product now this software becomes lifestyle software and cortana just adds to that by adding a, a real voice that can understand you yeah. all the things that windows 10 does especially the community features that are built right in we're going to talk more about that of course with xbox but they really did a good job of making microsoft a lifestyle company not just a software company you know you didn't even read the press release and one of the first big bolded things it says windows 10 making computing more personal and that is exactly what you said it's summarizing exactly what you were talking about so let's talk about these unified apps for a second because okay this is interesting because on other platforms there are different different versions of apps for different devices different screen sizes things have to be adapted the approach microsoft has done is they've coded one app whether it be word whether it be office outlook etc they have a new photos app and they let that code work cross device and recognize what device and how you're going to interact with it. For example, if you're using a Surface Pro 3 and you're using Word and your keyboard is attached to it, it's going to work like a, a computer. The second you detach it from that keyboard case, it's going to say, hey, do you want to enter tablet mode? Suddenly things are going to get bigger. Things are going to be more touch-enabled. Things are going to be more catered towards that type of experience. And the same thing goes cross-platform to their phones as well, which is a very unique approach to what they're doing. As opposed to different pieces of software, you're getting Word, you're getting Outlook, you're getting Photos. It's one piece of software that adapts to the way you use it. And don't you think that Microsoft kind of had to do this, Mark? Because once again, I, I believe in companies leveraging, and I use, I'm using that word a lot today, but I think it's important, leveraging what they do well uh, to to gain traction in areas where they're not as well facile. So if you look at Microsoft wanting to get into different aspects of the gaming world or giving, you know, getting into the tablet world, getting into the app world, we all know that they have not been able to crack the app store. No one has been able to do it as well as Apple. I think Google does a you know, decent well job with Android, but in terms of the sheer amount of apps, getting developers to develop apps, not just full-blown apps for desktop mode, but apps for mobile use. Yeah. 
Microsoft has not been able to encourage those developers to do that. There, there's still many more on the Android slash Apple side, but by making a unified platform, it allows developers. Now, there's still they still have a ton of developers that are in the PC world because that's where they that they gain their fame and that's where they have the most amount of attention paid to them. So if they can leverage again their asset of having these great PC developers and they can leverage those products, those software products, so that they just seamlessly integrate into a tablet app, they get the best of both worlds. They, they build on what they do well with the great full-blown software, and in the background, without even worrying about it, it becomes a mobile app, and that's something they're able to do without worrying about courting mobile app developers. It is your tech report. I am Marco Flallow. He is Mitchell Whitfield. We are talking all things Microsoft today because Microsoft had some really big announcements this week. You know, there's one thing that we're not going to get to, Mitchell, in this particular segment. And we're what doing is that? Intentionally, and that is gaming, because they did focus a lot of their keynote earlier this week on gaming. So we're going to bring David Weir on, our gaming editor from Scotland. He's a bit, good. Yeah, yeah, a bit later on in the show, and we'll talk about all the Xbox stuff, which is extremely exciting, extremely, extremely exciting. Tell me something, Mitchell. Now, yes, sir. What on earth is holographic? Okay, uh, this is try where to, try things... Try to describe this one. <laughs> okay, so we're all familiar with virtual reality. Basically, you yes. put on these goggles and it immerses you in this incredible uh, spatial sound and these incredible graphics that basically put you in different environments where you could you are virtually placed inside of a haunted house and you have to fight your way out. It virtually places you in a different environment. Now, Windows Holographic is a very different thing. It uses uh, holographic images, three-dimensional images that you can manipulate with your hands and with gestures, but it overlays it like virtual, it's more like VR, but it overlays it over your existing environment. For example, I'm going to give you the example that we're all used to. If you've used Yelp, let's say you've used Yelp on the iPhone, and you pulled it up, and that Yelp has like a, a... like a virtual reality mode that takes, you know, the, the neighborhood augmented that you're in. Reality, they call aug- it, augmented think, yeah. reality. That's really what it is. That's what holographic is closer to, where, you know, you'll you'll put the camera up and you'll look at your your neighborhood, and then these little blips will pop up over different businesses telling you the business name, how many stars they get. Think of it in that respect, where it takes your real environment and overlays an augmented reality on top of that. But it can be a virtual television set that you can control all of your apps and watch and control the size of the screen. It is a true version of my Minority Report, where Tom Cruise is standing there with those funky gloves and pulling these things off the screen and closing and opening things, just using gestures. This is actually that for reals. I said for reals for fun, uh, but yeah, it is actually allows you to mo- to manipulate three D images in virtual space. Now, is there a headset, a hardware, a, is there an element to this, or this is completely three D on the screen? No, so so they're calling it Windows Holographic. It is its own self-contained unit. They showed the unit, they showed the hardware, and it's supposed to, it, it has a release date, the same release window as Windows 10, which is really exciting. So this isn't a product that's years off, it's months off. And they showed the actual device, which looks, has these really, this really high-end, completely around the head. It isn't just glasses that you clip on. It, it's almost worn like a halo that goes over your head. It has these two lenses in the front that look like really high-end sunglasses. They call it the hollow lens, yeah. They call it the HoloLens, right? Uh, it has its own processor, its own graphics processor, its own CPU, uh, its own uh, spatial sound generator. Everything is contained. It does not need a laptop or a desktop to operate. It's its own contained mobile computer. Wow. You can do teleconferencing. The, the, the really cool use that I saw was people doing 3D design, where designers, yes, yes, architects, engineers can take their product and make a vir- have a virtual desk. We're using the desk in their home 
home, their virtual product appears on their desk in 3D. They can manipulate it. They can rotate it. Expand can, it. They can see inside it, their parts and everything. I, and I'm, you can I'm, invite yeah, someone I'm else to watch it. Yeah. it. You can invite someone to collaborate. So if you have a client you're designing something for, they put on their, you know, holographic <laughs> headset, you know, and they can watch and help you adjust your design based on... It really is incredible technology. Of course, there are gaming applications as well. And again, I almost feel like Microsoft was pushing so far that they were they were spreading themselves too thin. I was just really wanted to focus on the tech itself. But yeah, it is a self-contained unit. There's no price point yet. We don't know. They're inviting developers to create apps. They did a really interesting thing in the keynote mark. He, they, uh, the guy that was doing the presentation said, so we invite all of you glass developers. And because they, they think, you know, they oh, kind of see yes. the writings on the wall with yeah, glass not going in the direction that it was supposed to. It's like, hey, guys, you can take all the things you were doing with Google Glass, which is still an augmented reality on top of a you know, real image and come and bring your creations over to us for Windows Holographic. It was really subtle, but really cool. But yeah, the tech looks incredible. And they even did a demo that showed you uh, the, the POV of the woman wearing it, giving the demo. And it doesn't just look like it's sort of this kitschy cute thing just a gimmick the applications especially in the engineering world i wish my father-in-law were still alive to see this because this would have blown his mind he was a, he was an engineer um and i think seeing the next level of how designers and engineers can work it was really something special and i really am interested to see where this goes the technical preview of Windows 10 on the PC is going to be available for free to what they call Windows Insiders. Anybody can become a Windows Insider. You can contribute and you can test software, obviously do so on, on devices that may not be your primary primary device, which is pretty cool. What's the release date for Windows 10? What's the window we're looking at here? I don't remember. Do you? How about, no, I'm still I think it's like October. I think it's the end of the year. It's, is it it's, toward uh, the end of the year? Yeah, they said a lot of these features are going to be available in the technical previews over the coming months. They were very, very big on talking about these are beta features. These are features that are still they are still implementing, but they want to be open about what they are doing, which is extremely, extremely cool. And it's a nice approach instead of the whole secretive approach that we're used to with other companies trying to, to upstage each other. Exactly, and you know, I and I, I still, I, I still feel like Mark. Here we are, you know, you know, days later, and I still feel like my head is swimming with information, and I'm trying to, you know. As much as Microsoft was able to show a unified platform, which I think is really important for them, because again, Apple has done a great job of integrating features from iOS into OS X and vice versa. I think yeah. they've done a great job of that. I think Microsoft needed something like this where they wouldn't have to worry about it. Because one, one thing I think they've had problems with that we've acknowledged over the months and years is they haven't necessarily done the best job over time of messaging to their audience about what products do, what they're meant for, how these fit into our lives, and how we, well, how do you take a, a, a Windows device and how is it different from an actual laptop desktop? By making a unified platform like this, it makes it so much easier for people to buy into their ecosystem, whether it's starting off with one of their Lumia phones and going into a Surface, yeah. going into a full-blown desktop. It was really smart and really, really necessary for them. There's still one big element about this whole piece of the puzzle. It is gaming, and we're going to get to all that fun and games with David Weir when we come back right here on Your Tech Report with Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo. It's at Your Tech Report on Twitter, on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. We are back in just a couple moments, all about Xbox. Your Tech Report will be right back.
back to your tech report. It's your tech report. Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. Mitchell, we, we talked about Microsoft Windows 10 cross-platform devices. We just talked about a holographic. We talked about Cortana. We talked about their new browser. But one thing we did not talk about yet is the mm-hmm. gaming side of things. And there's a reason we've been holding back. There's a reason we've been doing this. is because we are bringing on our gaming editor, our expert on all things gaming, David Weir from Scotland. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain, uh, Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell, you know, it's. I'm. Ex- you know what? I- I'm exhausted. You know, Mark, and this is actually for both of you, David. You can answer first, but I just think the transition that we've seen with the with the, with the announcements that Microsoft has made. Uh, isn't it interesting when the first Xbox came out, David, we talked about this on previous shows, Microsoft tried so hard to distance the original Xbox from anything Microsoft. It was just a gaming machine. You didn't have Explorer. You didn't have anything related to a computer. Now they've come full circle where they're almost leveraging their reputation and their, and their technology on the gaming side to expand their new operating system, their computer platform. So isn't it interesting to you guys, Mark, what do you think, that they're now actually using their gaming to expand the computer end of their business? I thought that was very kind of cool. One of the telling moments for me was when they started to talk about Xbox. They, they intentionally mentioned the Alienware PC that they were using to demo everything about the Xbox that was sitting right there. They thanked them for for providing it. And the fact of the matter is is that a large portion of the PC market is gaming and gamers. And they are trying to bring these two segments of the market together, which is business and gamers and the casual consumers, so that they realize that there's uh, this this unified platform that still exists. Windows is strong. Windows 10 brings it to a whole new level. David, why don't you talk a little bit about what Microsoft announced, not just in terms of unifying the platforms, but how gaming is going gonna, is gonna to play such a big part in what Windows 10 does. Sure. I think what first we should point out is that this is not Microsoft's first array into bringing Xbox-like abilities to Windows platform. Obviously, Games right. Windows Live came out a few years ago, was pretty disastrous, and was abandoned um, to the fact that there are still games that are required to use it, they don't work anymore. The Xbox app is the big thing they've announced for Windows 10, where this is, if you've used Smart Glass on your tablet or you've used it on Windows 8 at the moment, it's the same sort of functionality where you have your friends list, your activity feed, messages, you can look at the games in the store, but now it's just so much more. You can now record clips straight to your from your PC to post an Xbox Live. There's proper multiplayer access. I can talk... To, I can actually do voice chat from my PC on Windows 10 directly to someone currently playing on Xbox Live. So it's more than just a casual glance at your gaming world. This app has, has really evolved into something that is more of an immersive experience, and, and we really get into that when we talk about streaming games to your devices, don't we? Oh, definitely. Um, game streaming is the big thing. Much like... Um, the NVIDIA system that runs Shield that you can post games straight from your PC to your little tiny handheld console. Now you can stream any game from your Xbox One to any Windows 10 device. So you can stream it to your little tablet that you've got in the living room, you can stream it to your new Surface, you can stream it to your laptop or even just your PC running Windows 10. 
Now, the one thing that we're not clear about, and we were talking a little about this, you know, uh, during the break, and, you know, I didn't want to talk about it too much. I wanted to save it for the show. But basically, the one question I had, and I think we kind of know the answer, even though Microsoft hasn't officially told us, you know, I was hoping that when you, let's say you decide the family wants to sit in the living room and do something where your Xbox is, I decide, you know what? No problem, guys. You go and do what you want. I'm going to take my tablet or my Windows 10 laptop or tablet, go in the other room and stream the games to that device. But I think it's if you run your television through your Xbox, yeah. it still is going to take up that whole Xbox One and television in that room because you're using it to stream to another device. So I don't think you'll be able to do both at once. I don't think you'll be able to use that Xbox One for your t- for your family to watch and do other things in one room while you stream in the other. I think it is going to just extend where you can play. It's not going to let you do both at yeah, once. I think, it, I think that's what I gleaned I think from what that. they're trying to do is do that whole kind of uh, like the Wii U type experience where you, you can leave the room and continue your gaming. You can go to your bedroom and and, and and game upstairs. You know, I find this issue right now where when I want to game, my my Xbox One is in my basement. It's a bit of a pain in my butt to go down there and play because it's all the way downstairs. And you're tired at the end of the day. There's a lot of excuses that come along with it. If I'm able to take my games upstairs to where I want to play, I think I will end up playing more. So I think this is an interesting solution. And I'm one of those cases where I don't use my Xbox as the center of my entertainment kind of realm. So for me, it really is cool because anybody can be doing anything anywhere and I have access to my Xbox. I'm wondering if I could do this remotely or if I have to be on my home network. <laughs> you do have, I, to, I would be imagine have to be your home network. Yeah, I think you do. And you know what? That's the one caveat. You're right, Mark. If you're not one of these players that actually runs everything, like your television, your cable box, satellite, DVD player, whatever, if you're not, not running a three or Xbox, then absolutely the people on, can do whatever they want in the main room and you'll just take the experience elsewhere. But if you are connected to that Xbox, I think you still are using that Xbox wherever you take it. Now, David, you know, we talked about streaming, but let's talk about a really cool thing that gamers have been asking about for a long time which is when games come out multi-platform, the PC version of a game comes out, Xbox One version of a game comes out, normally you are stuck in your particular world. If you're a PC gamer, you're stuck playing with other PC gamers. If you're an Xbox One gamer, you're playing with other Xbox One players. Now, with Windows 10, any Windows 10 PC game can be played with... And from what I understand, Xbox One players, if they make it for both platforms, you can play against cross-platform other players that are not on your particular kind of machine. Isn't that right? Yeah, there's a caveat to that. So far, they've only announced that Fables Legends is going to be the first cross-platform play game where, okay, okay. You, where you on PC and me on Xbox One could play the co-op game together. Much, okay. much because there's an integrated platform there, which is what they're doing with the Xbox Live app. Um, right. There may be more games coming out. The only problem is is that they've tried that before. They tried that on Ship with Shadowrun on with Xbox 360. And there's a big difference in response times and how people play on both PC and Xbox. So there may be a certain amount of disparity between even skill levels between people, especially when it comes to competitive multiplayer, if that becomes a thing. Forgive the... Um non-gaming nature of this question, non-nerdy kind of nature of this question. Uh, right, we'll, we'll tease yeah, you about you. it. Go uh, ahead. There are games that are not only cross, cross-platform PC and Xbox, but other, like PS4. Do games like that that are on different systems allow you to play together? No. 
Okay, no, so, you're, no, so no, it's, it's, you're just, it's all, it's all Windows and, and Microsoft products. It's not cross-platform, meaning other devices as well that are not no. part of their ecosystem. Okay. Cross-platform from PC to Xbox One. But let me tell you something. Even if it's just now that one game, mm-hmm. like I said, Fable Legends is the one that they actually demoed, and that's the only one we know about right now. So I shouldn't have said, you're right, uh, not all Windows 10 games are doing yeah. this. But it does open up the doors down the line to have these you know, two universes melded where you can be playing with PC players now if you're an Xbox One player. Now, David brought up a good point. Number one, these are two different worlds. These are two different sets of players that are used to playing their games differently, and the machines have always worked differently because people always say, and let's say in a shooter or an RTS game, people always have an advantage using a keyboard and a mouse just by the nature of the way they play. But there have been so many games, and thanks to Steam's big picture, being able to stream onto a big screen and use an Xbox controller to play your Steam library, there are plenty of games now where people are being trained and coming up in the ranks, even professional gamers, that are playing their PC games using a traditional Xbox 360 controller. So a lot of these games do have the software that lends itself to being played with a controller. With the number of players coming up, David, that have been trained and are used to this sort of thing, I think there will be less hiccups along the way and an easier merger because both sets of gamers will have had experience playing PC games using a more traditional console controller. Yeah, also what seems to be suggested here is that if there's more focus on gaming on Windows 10, will we start to see some of the larger Microsoft titles like the Halos or the Forza example start to get proper PC releases rather than just on the Xbox One? Right. That's a really good point. And, you know, for me... This was a really exciting keynote, although I got to tell you, I, I, when, I'm, when I was watching the keynote, I was giggling at certain points because I think there were about 40 people there. I'm sure there were more than that, but the way they were shooting it, sort of like from like the third or fourth row back, it made it seem like there were about 20 or 30 or 40 people at this keynote. You could hear like individual people clapping for every announcement. It didn't, it didn't have the excitement that you get from an Apple keynote or even a Samsung but, keynote. But, it was, but you, you know, could tell it was scripted uh, waiting for those, uh, those moments. Wait. Waiting, waiting for waiting for reactions yeah. that never came, and then he's like, "Okay, moving on." Uh, <laughs> I just it, there were a yeah. lot of things to be excited about, and we are seeing a unification and an integration on a gaming level with Xbox that we haven't seen before. David, sorry, I was over talking. No, I know you I wanted was to jump just going to say the entire thing. I sat watching and going, "Is this one of my college computer lectures?" <laughs> Didn't it seem like very like almost too intimate? It seems so intimate that people. And here's here's another thing, guys. And I don't know how to really address this issue. We are in the age of live blogging. Okay, uh, this is, for example, that keynote was streamed. It was a streamed keynote for everyone to see on their computer, on their streaming device. Great idea. However, with all the live blogging, do we do we miss out a little bit on the excitement of an audience that's engaged with the with the people that are giving the keynote that are hanging? Remember when Steve Jobs would give a keynote? He'd make people turn off their devices and focus for. He wanted their attention. Now, everyone's so focused on their computer to blog to whatever publication they're blogging you, for that no one's reacting to the speakers you, anymore. There's no excitement in the room. you got to choose your audience. When Apple does a keynote and other people do keynotes and they want that excitement there, they do more than just invite they the media. It. Yeah. They invite they people yeah. who, wanna, who, who are passionate about the products and people who right. will react unlike the media who are just sitting there. I mean, I remember looking through some keynotes that Steve Jobs did where the media was just non, not totally non-responsive. He's like, turn off your computer. He's like, no, no, we won't. That's why you need other people there to build the excitement. So they should have, they really should have kind of tailored it to, to the audience that were there, which is kind of interesting. One thing I wanted to mention, Mitchell, that we did not touch upon earlier when we were talking about Microsoft was the Surface Hub. 
Now, throughout the keynote, they were displaying <laughs> things on this large television, which they then revealed right. to be this 84-inch 4K all-in-one Surface Hub. Now, let's remember what, what the Surface, the name Surface, and the Microsoft Surface started as this giant table. It was a coffee table that was interactive. You'd put your phone down. It would copy pictures and stuff. The concept was great. The name graduated over, obviously, to the Surface tablet, and now we're seeing this become the Surface Hub, which is basically that tabletop in a screen on a wall. And I got to tell you, and David, I don't know how you felt about this, but I'd love to hear how you felt about it because I know you'll give us an incredibly honest answer. Um, I almost felt, first of all, I thought I, I, I am excited about the entire lineup of Microsoft, the Microsoft's lineup. I thought they have some great services, some great integration of existing services and great new products. But when they finally got to the hub, <laughs> I started to feel that. They were spreading themselves so thin that things started unraveling and not making sense. Okay, we get Windows 10. We get you have a new voice integration with you know Cortana. You have a new browser, which they haven't done in decades. We have this. We have that. We have integration with Xbox One. We have holographic. And now this gigantic screen with video conferencing and, and taking notes and presentations. And I almost felt like it, it was so much and so overwhelming that it was di- diluting everything instead of making fewer things more exciting. They almost should have saved something like that for a more business-oriented crowd. A separate event. We didn't need it for this event. David, did you find, I mean, by the time we got to the hub, first of all, it's probably going to be $1,000 million, which is a real (laughs) amount of money, by the way. Uh, So not everyone can afford $1,000 million for this giant screen for teleconferencing and productivity. Did you feel that it was like, it was almost too much by the time they showed this? By that time, I'd, I'd hit major fatigue. I was just sitting there going, is this good? You're emotionally end? spent, right? Yeah, I just got to the point where it's like, okay, you've now been talking for you know, a long, long time. Please stop. Uh, but before we please stop, I do have one question regarding uh, Windows Holographic, which I find very interesting. But in terms of how it applies to gaming, again, I think they were trying to do so much. It's such a new technology or that they're trying to do now was putting a gaming spin on it almost, again, too much for what the presentation that they were giving. I think the problem for me is that I can't trust a brand new Microsoft technology like that, considering that the Kinect on the Xbox One still can't recognize a Scottish accent. <laughs> Listen, I never thought of that. I have, I have a bunch of Scottish friends that still can't recognize a good Scottish yeah, accent. Good they point. just can't do it. You, you know, it really is true. And I think, you know, that, that's something, I mean, Mark and I talk about this all the time because we're such audiophiles and we're so into the spoken word and the recorded spoken word. Um, it, it, it is amazing to me that we have so many advancements in the worlds of video and holograms and virtual reality and 3D imaging and 4K and Ultra HD, which is 4K, um, that we still sometimes lose focus on the most basic form of communication and the most basic issue of audio and voice recognition. Mark likes to talk a lot about what Google is doing with translations. Really impressive, but there are still plenty of accents that are unrecognizable by Siri and Cortana. Uh, still voice input. I still, we have not had the level of innovation on that level because let me tell you something. A good Scotsman deserves to be heard, David. You know that as well as anyone. And if you can't recognize that glorious accent, we gotta, we gotta put some more work into that. Oh Lord, oh Lord. It's your tech report. I am Marco Flallo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. You're exhausted. I know, That's what I you know are. I am. David Weir, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are we, we've, Mitchell, we still have got more. We've got a great interview coming up. We've been teasing it all show long. We are talking to a product manager at Belkin and Linksys. They are one company. When we come back, that interview. Thanks, David. Your tech report will be right back.
now, back to your tech report. Mitchell, we, we love these interviews. People are just swallowing up all these interviews that we were doing. So we're going to continue this trend and at least try to get at least one great interview every single week. And this week, I'm really excited because I have to admit, even being in this technological world, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, when I think of the name Linksys, I forgot that they were bought by Belkin back in 2003. I thought it was still Linksys and Cisco, but no, Belkin and Linksys are on one. You. So when I reached out to Belkin, I got the response saying, yeah, I work for Belkin Linksys. I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. And then I started going through the websites going, I own everything. No, I was going to say, I know what started going off in your head. Like, oh my gosh, all the things, all the great gadgets that these two companies together have. And that was one company. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave this up to you to, for the introduction because I know you cannot wait to dive right in. So go ahead. So, I won't take away your thunder. Go ahead. On the line with us is uh, Matt Whalen, who's a product manager for Belkin Linksys. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Are you surviving post-CES? I am surviving. I'm caught up on sleep and uh, back into the swing of things. So, so tell me, Matt, we, the reason we do these interviews is we could, we could sit here and read press releases all day long, but who better to speak to than the people who are passionate about the products that they rep and they work for? What excited you the most out of CES this past year in terms of your product lineup? Feel free to separate that between Belkin and Linksys. <clears throat> well, I think for us it was uh, a pretty good combination of both. So we had a lot of cool things going into CES and at our booth, which was a mainstay for those of you that had a chance to walk through the South Hall. You saw a lot of new and innovative and different things for us on the Linksys dog side. So specifically around Linksys, one of the things we've done is that you know classic WRT router that we've known and loved for you know, a lot of years now, we brought back into the market last year with our WRT 1900 AC. And what we showed at CES was really an expansion of that product portfolio with the new router. We've got a NAS device. We've got some high-gain antennas that we're going to be bringing to market. We also had a switch that's going to play into that and have that same look and form factor. So the, the folks that recognize the blue and black from Linksys and, and trust that router and have one, and, you know, I can tell you a lot of folks are still using that router there's a lot of great things to come from that space. And then certainly on the Wemo side, there was a lot of great announcements too around our sensors and what we're going to be doing in that space. So um, for me, it was a, you know, a two-headed monster coming in and coming out of CES around both those product lines. Well, let me tell let me tell the folks out there listening to us right now, Matt. If you because uh, I'm looking at the the new WRT that you're talking about, and yes, it's familiar with the color, but it's got a really cool new design. So people should definitely take a look. It's not the one you're used to. It's really futuristic and awesome looking. But what I wanted to ask you, Matt, was we're in a time now with smart devices, connected homes, everything that requires a great internet connection at home. Do you find now that even today, when the internet and having a wireless connection at home has become so important to our lifestyle? people are still kind of intimidated to take that step and put together their own home network. And even though you guys make it so easy, people are still a little intimidated by that. And they really shouldn't be, should they? No, they absolutely shouldn't be. And that's a great point. And you're 100% correct when you say that, though, because if you think back to a few years ago, any router that any one of us would have gone out and bought would have taken a CD uh, setup requirement and exactly to contact our service provider if we ever ran into an issue there's also the fear of how much downtime am I going to have? I live in a house with 20 devices and four kids. The minute I unplug that router and all these devices go offline, we know what's going to happen. Kids are screaming. Wife is freaking out. So we want to make sure that we don't have any downtime. And if swapping out that router means downtime, that's a concern. But we've come a long way. And I can tell you on our Lexus product lineup, we actually have routers today, all of which require no CD. 
It's as simple as opening up a web browser, typing in a URL, which we very clearly lay out, and one step, two step, three step, you pick your SSID, you decide if you want a password, no password, which we strongly recommend that you do, and (laughs) you're off and running. And then you go back, you connect each one of your devices, and you're taking advantage of the latest technology from one of the better routers on the market. Okay, so... I I immediately upgraded to the to the new AC router because I was one of those people who had I have a larger home and it was hard for me to get a signal to the far reaches of my home and I I tried a bunch of things man I I mean I had different kind of repeaters I used some some Apple stuff trying to get things to work in different places and I realized at the end of the day what I was doing I was actually making it worse so when <laughs> I upgraded to to the new router. I immediately removed all those wireless extenders and everything was was far better. And I expected when I opened the box, I'm like, this is a beast. I expected this this beast to be hard to set up. And as you said, web-based interface, beautiful graphical user interface, a beautiful app that you can use to control your network, guest access, so you really can limit things and do things that you were only limited to in like kind of a, a professional network, so to speak, now on the home side of things. But tell me about range extension, because that is a big thing these days. People don't realize that these Rage extenders, especially when you're using the same product, obviously a Linksys product to extend your, your wireless router, how well do these work now? Yeah, it, the Range extension category, you know, great point as well, has come a long way. Years gone by, Range extenders were, you know, complicated to set up. People didn't understand if they were putting them in the right place. And we've made a lot of advancements and put some innovations into range extenders to take that experience to the best possible place. And a good example of this is on our current lineup of range extenders and the ones we announced at CES with Linksys are um, what you do is as you're setting up your range extender, the misconception is you put it in the zone where there's no Wi-Fi. But the core of how a range extender works is it picks up the existing Wi-Fi in your home or your cottage or your lake house or your apartment and extends it from there. So if you're putting in a zone where there's no Wi-Fi, guess what? You're not able to extend anything because it doesn't exist. So yeah. with our latest range extenders, we're actually going to have, and, and we do have today, a software, uh, whether it's on your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop, which isn't mobile, but those other devices, that will show you optimal placement. So if oh, you're too far great. away from your range, if you're too far away from your, your home router, we'll say not a great spot, give you a little red X until you get a little bit closer. Now, if you put it two feet away from your router, that's not optimizing what the range extender is built for. So we'll tell you, you're too close to your router. Go out a little bit further to really take advantage of what this is going to do for you and give you a little bit further range in those tough-to-reach places. So it's just the little things like that that's making it, one, easier to use, and two, giving the customer a better experience as soon as they take this home as opposed to you know what you and I have been through with range extenders in the past. No, this is, this is really great. And these are the kind of innovations that we love to hear about because, let's face it, the average consumer isn't that well-fasciled in home networking. And I think you're right. I, you know, it never, I, I couldn't have explained it better because when I'm trying to help people um, set up their networks, I always try to explain them, no, no, you can't take the extender and put it in the far reaches because an extension, an extender by nature has to have the signal in order to actually extend it. And people don't really get that. But the fact that you guys make it so easy, yeah, it kind of takes the guesswork out. It makes it easier for guys like me. I, I use the example when I'm talking to people. I'm like, if you were trying to extend your power with an extension cord, you still need to connect it to something, right? Exactly. You need to connect to something to get to that point. Now, yeah. 
Now, Great sh- analogy. Shifting yep. over to the, to the Belkin line of things, Wemo was a big focus because of the new sensors. And home automation is becoming something that is no longer, you know, someone who's just tinkering around with, with, with these base stations and stuff like that. Home automation, how big is it uh, a factor in, in Belkin how, and Linksys together? How big is that, that whole, you know, sector of the, of, of the industry right now? Yeah, so I would say it's obviously a very key priority for us. You saw a lot of focus from us at uh, CES around the Wemo brands and what we've done with it. We've been one of the leaders and innovators in that space since we launched our Switch a couple CESs ago and where we've gotten to today, you know, through the partnership work that we've done with lighting partners like TCP and Sylvania Osram, through small appliance partners like Jardin Consumer Solutions, where we've got uh, Wemo-enabled crockpots and Wemo-enabled coffee makers. We know that folks and, and a lot of your listeners today are trying to think, what, what can I do in my everyday life and to, to simplify this? And what are some of the devices that exist out there today that, one, aren't going to cost me a lot of money, two, yeah. are going to be very easy to use, and three, if I like it, I want to be able to scale that in my home and add more things to it. And that, that's been at the core of what we're doing with Wemo and what we continue to do, and these sensors are a great example of that. You know, Wemo is is just one part, of course, of what Belkin offers and, you know, what you're talking about was presented at CES. And I think the really cool thing about the Belkin brand is there there is such a diverse product line. When I, when I think Linksys, I really do think about the home networking. But when I'm thinking about Belkin, I, I mean, we're talking about, yes, there are networking solutions there, but we're also talking about keyboard cases for your mobile devices, uh, you know, armbands, uh, hubs and docks, chargers, cables, an incredibly diverse product line. So for people that aren't familiar with Belkin, it really is just more the connectivity. It's about all of your devices in home and out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in a great way, you know, I often think about this as I'm sitting down at the end of my night and I pull out my tablet, my tablet's in a folio from Belkin. And yeah. I want to check that my coffee is going to be ready in the morning. Well, that Wemo app that I just clicked on is made by Belkin. And the Wemo coffee maker that's connected to my network is connected to a Linksys router, which is built by Belkin. So <laughs> all those different touch points and all those different experiences in my home, whether it's online with certain devices or it's offline with just a folio or my armband for my iPhone after a run, it, it's all made from the same great family of products. So those three brands, all as part of Belkin International, can really touch everyone's day-to-day lives in different ways, absolutely. Now, I want to mention something that you didn't, because when people think of home automation, I think there's still this little cachet that people think it's difficult. What's interesting about the Wemo line and what Belkin has done is that traditionally, in, in, and still a lot in a lot of home automation instances you require this hub that's connected to the internet and that hub connects to your devices you don't even need that hub there are some things that yes use a hub but with the wemo line it connects directly to the internet over your wi-fi network so you really aren't limited as much as you are with other products 100 percent correct so you know i spent a lot of time talking about the wemo lineup and i the first question i ask you know any one of your listeners who might you know is, is thinking about this or anyone i'm talking to in front of a group is do you have a smartphone Yes. Is it iOS or Android? Yes. Do you have Wi-Fi in the home? Yes. That is the requirement to use any one of our products in the Wemo family. So, uh, you know, we, we, the three of us know that the percentage of folks in the U.S. and Canada that have those two things in their home or their apartment or wherever they may be is very prevalent. So the, the gateway to getting into home automation with Wemo is, is low. We, you've got it. You can use it. Wemo's available. 
Okay, Matt, now I promise not to make your head explode too much or at least make too much of a mess. I want to switch it back because you're doing such a great job of switching back and forth. I want to go back to Linksys for a minute. And the reason I'm doing this is we have we have a pretty large listenership of gamers on our show. We do a lot of game reviews. And I think people sometimes forget that when it comes to gaming these days, whether you're doing it on a console or a PC, your wireless, your home network becomes a big part of it. And going back from my gaming on the Xbox and the Xbox 360 days, I remember the highest number of compatible routers and wireless routers always came uh, under the Linksys name. So if I had to put you on the spot here, which I'm going to do right now, we have gamers that are listening right now. They want the best throughput. They want, they, they want the, you know, the, the, you know, moderate NAT. They want everything open and free and clear. What router would you recommend to the high-end gamers out there that are looking to have the best connection, the fastest speed possible, the most coverage? So in my opinion, if I were to think of myself, who's also a gamer, I've got my Xbox One downstairs. I play a lot of kids' games now that I have kids, but I certainly Join the club. Yeah, we all do, yeah. I find the odd quiet hour to get into some of the more advanced games, but I (laughs) needless to say it's a lot of kid games. For me, one of the routers, and the router that I run today is still that WRT1900AC. It has got everything from open source capabilities, so maybe there's a firmware that the gamers have something unique that they're looking for. Maybe they're looking, you know, to, to do something with open VPN support. Maybe they're looking to block off roommates from using Wi-Fi when they're on uh, <laughs> a, a game or they're online. Maybe it's turning it off for other members of the household, like my wife and kids during certain hours. So all those right. aspects of what the WRT 1900AC can do for me, the, the workhorse of a router, the power that we packed under the hood on that particular product just screams a great gaming experience. Of course, there's a lot of other routers that have different uh, applications. We've got a router in the market today, a Linksys EA9200, which is tri-band. So I could, oh, wow. I could also position that one, you know, as a great product for a gamer who might say that extra five gigahertz radio is dedicated to my work, my desktop gaming rig or my console. And then the other five gig radio and the 2.4 radio, well, those are for all the other devices in my home. So Really, it's a matter of finding the right router that works for you. If you don't have a lot of devices and you just want to, you know, hammer hard on your your console, your gaming rig, to me, the WRT1900AC represents that wholeheartedly. You just named probably about seven features I didn't even know it can do when I own it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I could help. That's awesome. Um, I, I, Matt, I, I really just want to thank you. You know, we've used up a lot of time here. I want to know if we—is it okay if we get back in touch with you in uh, three, four months to talk about the things that you probably can't tell us about today? Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to the day. We've got some cool stuff coming. <laughs> Matt Whelan from Belkin and Linksys. Thank you so much for joining us. Your tech report will be right back. Now back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report, Mitchell. We just have a couple minutes to wrap up the show. My God, that was fun. I want to really thank Matt um, from Belkin and Linksys. They're going to be sending us some really cool gear to play with. They're going to fix your wireless issues at your home. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. Uh, speaking of what we're excited about to get our hands on, of course, you know, I just, you know, Ray Watkins over at Alienware is a friend of the show. Alienware has been sending us computers to review since the beginning, even with our website well. I know we had some questions about the uh, Area 51, that super powerhouse computer, which was featured very prominently in that keynote on the yeah, Microsoft. Right there. And it's it also right pretty, there. I didn't realize how big it was. That thing's a monster. I realized I don't know if clear some under desk space for that we should have that very soon 
Also, we're getting our hands on some of their laptops. I don't know whether we're getting the 15 or the 17. I think we're probably going to get the 15. That'll be coming out uh, to us in February, so uh, make sure you tune in to your Tech Report Radio for that. And Mark, we also have some great stuff from Samsung coming. We talked about them. We had a nice interview with them over uh, over CES, and they're sending us some of their new mobile microphones and speakers. And we're going to be talking to some people over at Sonos. Oh, yeah. Sonos has been around for so long. I mean, they've been doing wireless home music for so many years. And it's, you know, it just makes sense that we talk about it because that's what we want to hear about. And ViewSonic. ViewSonic has been doing monitors, projectors. They're even into digital signage now. ZTE is another one. Or ZTE, depending on which side of the border you're on. <laughs> they make great mobile phones. That's right. Yeah, talking to them and reviewing some of their products. We're even going to get into some small business stuff because Xerox um, has gotten in touch with about, uh, us about doing stuff as well. It's very, 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 very cool stuff all down the road right here on your tech report. My God, Microsoft, talk about a week for them. Uh, yeah, and I'm really excited both as a person that spends time on the computer and as a gamer, seeing those two worlds united and creating a unified platform for gaming and for PCs. Uh, kudos to Microsoft. I think they did a great job, and I definitely think they're heading in the right direction with their business model. Well, I have my grubby hands on a Surface Pro 3. Ooh. I don't think they'll let me upgrade it to the Windows 10 preview, but we're going to do our best. But we're <laughs> going to give you a full review of that in just a couple of weeks. And, uh, the, you know, really, really cool stuff from Microsoft. I'm having a blast with the thing in only a couple of days. I've replaced my iPad with it. I'm not using any other tablet device other than my Surface Pro 3. I still have a computer just for some other stuff, but I'm using this as my primary Don't device. Don't give anything away. Do you, do you, are you loving it so far? It's your tech report. He's Mitchell Whitfield. <laughs> oh, I am Marcus Lalo. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, YourTechReport.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. 
Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.